There are three veteran quarterbacks that sound to me like they're off the table for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers following Thursday's report that the team is preparing to roll into 2023 with Kyle Trask as quarterback number one. That and more coming up on this episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucks Nation? Welcome to the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and the 10 Tampa Bay Plus app on your Roku or your Amazon Fire Stick. And we thank you for making us your first listen or your first view of the day. I'm David Harrison, writer for BucksGameDay.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, and on Twitter at DHarrison82. My co-host, James Jarko, on Twitter at JGarko underscore Bucks is the deputy editor of BucksNation.com. You can find him there as well as here most days and on Twitter from the show at Locked on Bucks. This episode of Locked on Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the National Football League. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. It was not his worst ever, but Jason Light's 2022 draft class was one of the worst in the NFL this season, that according to NFL.com. And Todd Bowles is firmly in control of his own destiny this year. All of that coming up on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. But first, abandon hope. Those of you who want to see a veteran starting quarterback in Tampa this coming season. Because on Thursday, according to ESPN's Jeff Darlington, quote, from my conversations with the organization, they do feel like Kyle Trask is likely to be the guy under center. I feel pretty confident that they're going that direction. I think Jason Light believes Kyle Trask has what it takes to be a winner in this league. And he looks around the division and he says, well, we've got the best quarterback in the division at the very least. I'm not saying that means much, but I think that he at least thinks they can be competitive with Kyle Trask. End quote. So first and foremost, I think we have to go through the list of quarterbacks and, and ask ourselves, is Kyle Trask really the best quarterback in the NFC South right now? Um, and I would tell you that I think he at least has a competitive claim to having the most upside in the NFC South right now, like Andy Dalton, you know, look, there's, there's a lot uh, there to be, to be, you know, uh, to be desired with Andy Dalton. If, if he returns to New Orleans, Jameis Winston, um, you know, the last time we really saw Jameis Winston playing healthy, he was actually not doing all that bad. I know he had those interceptions at the end of the loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the saints, you know, but again, that's crunch time. Those interceptions come to a lot of quarterbacks. Um, not making excuses, just saying what the, what the truth is. Um, the Carolina Panthers basically don't have a quarterback. So yes, that's he's Desmond Ritter. I mean, I suppose it depends on how you felt coming out of uh, each respective players NFL draft class. So, I mean, look, I think you could at least make the argument or try to make the argument that Kyle Trask is the best quarterback in the NFC South, but there is another quarterback that could be coming to the NFC South. And that is veteran Derek Carr. We talked about him on this show numerous times i mean the the year that tom brady came james and i were talking about Derek carr and i know i was rallying for Derek carr to come in uh, and be the guy that replaced james winston before the tom brady steam really uh got going and then the first time that tom brady retired i know that we kind of rallied on this show for Derek carr to come in and then now that tom brady retired again uh this time it looks official uh we've we've rallied for Derek carr to be the quarterback again don't think that the buccaneers are going that direction. And if you feel like Kyle Trask could be your guy uh, or could be the best quarterback in the NFC South this year, you're certainly not going to go with Derek Carr. So that's the first veteran quarterback on my list 
that I think this report from Jeff Darlington, a, a guy who's connected, he's he's been accurate more than he's been inaccurate, uh, kind of pre-reported the original Tom Brady retirement. I don't think Tom was very happy uh, about that whole debacle. But, you know, so I think that when you're talking about Derek Carr, you know, I think a lot of people in Bucksland have kind of already come to terms with the fact that he's probably not coming here. The most smoke seems to be around the Saints and the New York Jets. And, and really everybody's kind of waiting for Aaron Rodgers to do his thing, which is another veteran quarterback uh, that I don't believe. He's not one of the three that I have on my list, but I think Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if anybody who's really had Aaron Rodgers uh, on their Bucks list anyway, but I'm going to take him off the list. So that's one alpha and, and one Bravo. But it also, to me, it also eliminates uh, Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield, I don't believe is going out there kind of looking for a competitive competition where he's not at least the primary uh, guy. Look, Baker Mayfield is nearly 28 years old. He's going to be 28 years old before the season starts. He's kind of running out of his opportunities. Um, you know, I know a lot of, you know, some quarterbacks can play up to like their forties and all that stuff, but really when, when teams kind of go out there looking for a franchise quarterback, they're trying to find a guy that they can have for like 15, maybe even up to 20 years. And being nearly 28 years old, that clock is is already, you know, when, when winding down. So Baker Mayfield, really, the next team that he signs with might be his last real opportunity to become a franchise guy. Now, James Jarko uh, and I talked about this on a previous episode. He's he's currently valued on spot track, I think, around $6 million or something like that. I contend he's probably going to get uh, at least 12 or is at least seeking uh, at least 12 because, again, he's done some good things, he's done some bad things, and maybe he's trying to go and show that uh, he's maybe grown uh, a little bit as a professional, as a preparer. So, yeah, Baker, I think no matter what situation he goes into, probably looking uh, at a quarterback competition, but I think he's going to want to look for a situation where he's at least even to his competitor going into it versus being behind. Uh, and, again, according to these reports, if they're preparing for Kyle Trask to go in as the quarterback number one, you're probably not bringing in a Baker Mayfield. Uh, more to to kind of take that those reins and again you know anything more than you know five six million dollars for a veteran quarterback it, it's it's, pre it's pretty steep uh early on and uh to me this also precludes jimmy garoppolo at least before the end of march so once you get through the first wave of free agency maybe you don't have to get all the way to the end of march i mean the first wave of free agency really is the first kind of 72 hours so maybe march you know 18th uh jimmy garoppolo uh could be could be in play because after that, kind of all the top money is gone and the next tier of contracts are kind of your second tier, a little bit lower in value, all those things. And Jimmy G, uh, I don't know, man, I, there there could be a competitor, you know, maybe the Carolina Panthers. I mean, if, if it wasn't for Baker's uh, experience with them already, I would probably, you know, say that maybe he goes there. But to be honest, I mean, Baker was there with a whole different coaching staff. So maybe Baker goes to Carolina, goes back to Carolina with a new coaching staff. Who knows? Um, but I think Jimmy G maybe is is a target for the Carolina Panthers, depending on what they plan on doing uh, in the NFL draft. Maybe they're looking for that Will Levis type of guy. But either way, even if you go get a rookie, you're going to want, I think, a bridge quarterback, a veteran. Uh, you know, and that kind of brings me back to Baker Mayfield. His his journey is kind of weird because to me, if you go through the history of, of NFL quarterbacks, especially round one picks, there's kind of this life cycle of a first round quarterback. Typically, you come in and you're the exalted hero of the franchise, the savior. Uh, for the team, you know, to be and all those things. And if it doesn't work out, usually you get a second team to go be that savior. Well, Baker Mayfield never got his second team. He got traded to the Carolina Panthers. And I don't get the sense that it was really ever a Baker's coming to save us because the idea was, quote unquote, com competing with Sam Darnold. And then when things didn't go right, they essentially pulled him and put Sam back in and traded him off to the Los Angeles Rams or what have you. And I mean, it was just it was just a, a whole weird mess. So I don't I think this is, again, Baker's opportunity to kind of get that second team 
that maybe he can be the hero of. Can't really put my finger on who that might be. I don't know if, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets and Derek Carr goes to the Saints, then maybe Baker Mayfield ends up with the Green Bay Packers. I don't I don't know how they feel about Jordan Love, but it's kind of a weird situation. Um, so again, if the, if these quarterbacks, well, Derek Carr again, completely off the board. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming. Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield. I think you're looking end of March, past the first wave uh, of free agency at best. If if either of those guys comes in, it's basically going to be a, a result of them not having a whole lot of other options. So while none of those veteran quarterbacks really fully controls their own fate, uh, Todd Bowles is firmly in control of his own coaching staff, and in my opinion, he should get a year one reset because of it. That's coming up next here on Locked On Bucks. Today's episode of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Simply download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss this chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making the Lockdown Bucks podcast first listen to your first view every single day. The hiring of Dave Canales and Coach Canales' comments show me that Todd Bowles is fully in control of his coaching staff in 2023. Uh, in case there was any doubt following the firing, the mass firing of a lot of Bucks staffers at the end of 2022 and the eventual retirement of Clyde Christensen, uh, former quarterback's coach. Look, I think bottom line, we've we've kind of touched on this, but Todd Bowles didn't get to pick any of his staff in 2022. You know what I mean? The, the, the sudden retirement of uh, Bruce Arians after Todd, uh, Tom Brady decides to come back even Todd Bowles, if you go back then, says that he was surprised by the move, didn't see it coming, didn't expect it to be coming, and really, I don't want to say stuck, right, because that's kind of disrespectful, but essentially, it was just, here, Todd, I built the car, uh, I painted the car, I put all the features in there, and I bought it for you. Here's the keys, and now get in it and drive it across country and drive it up this mountain that is the National Football League uh, level of competition. And, you know, um, the, the inner dynamics of it might be a little bit weird, but bottom line is that was not Todd Bowles's staff in 2022. That was Bruce Arians staff that Todd uh, kind of inherited. Well, not kind of flat out inherited. So now he's getting to build his own staff and, and, and Dave Canales wasn't the first hire. Uh, the new office coordinator wasn't the first hire, but he's, he's kind of, you know, maybe the most important hire. And then you listen to Dave Canales and his comments about, Kyle Trask, or just the quarterback in general. And James did a really good job on yesterday's episode of kind of breaking down, you know, kind of bit by bit, a little bit of what Coach Canales said. But I kind of had a little bit of an additional takeaway of it. And Canales talking about the quarterback, Kyle Trask or no Kyle Trask, being the point guard. To me, that's the antithesis of no risk it, no biscuit, right? And that's what Bruce Arians really has built his career on. That's, that's the style of offense he's always wanted to operate with is the no risk it, no biscuit. We take shots. Third and one. We might take a shot. Second and three, we might take a shot. Second and 10, we might take a shot. Third and 15, we might take a shot. It doesn't matter. And, and to a certain extent, that really kind of keeps the defense on their toes and really keeps those defense coordinators from being able to fully figure out who you are and what you're going to do. And, and I dig that style. But Coach Canales seems to be the opposite. He's all about ball control, ball security, 
smart football. Canales used the word smart five times during his presser. Granted, 30-minute presser, a lot of comments, a lot of words, but saying smart, right? Smart football, smart passes, smart plays, smart decisions. That's a trend, right? That's that's more than just a buzzword. Now that's a trend. And in the NFL, smart typically doesn't translate to risky, typically doesn't translate to 40-yard bombs on second and three. It doesn't mean you're never going to see it necessarily, right? But typically, I think what it means is we're looking to take the yards the defense gives us, take what the defense can give us, that old adage, that old uh, cliche. And again, that's kind of the opposite of what Byron, or not Byron, but Bruce Arians brought in. What did that staff know and love and learn? No risk it, no biscuit. And they wanted... Uh, to do things big. And, and look, I know Byron got a lot of heat for running the ball on first down, but actually the Buccaneers were one of the biggest passers on first and 10 uh, in the National Football League. Don't be wrong, they still ran their fair share, and certainly at times that it really didn't make sense, uh, especially when you're trailing in like the middle of the third quarter. But they actually did throw the ball a lot uh, on, on first and 10s, and some of those were, were trying to you know sit back there, three to five step drops and all that stuff with the suspect offensive line. So I think that you're going to see a little bit less of that. And I think you have a coach here that if that offensive line isn't able to protect their quarterback, you're going to see more jet motion type stuff. You're going to see more quick passes, screens, stuff like that, which might be a little bit dull at times if you're watching it. But I really do think that this is the kind of offense coordinator, the top bulls. And you look at a defensive minded coach, you know what I mean? Control the ball, control the clock, be smart, be safe uh, and, and do things like that. And I think that's really kind of, uh, what 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 you should expect from Coach Canales. And again, it kind of shows in that hiring Todd Bowles taking control uh, of his own coaching staff. But not only that, but also the hiring of Skip Pete. Um, for one, I think something that is significant in the hiring of Skip Pete is he's hired to the exact same position he held with the Dallas Cowboys. This is not a promotion. He is hired to the exact same position he held with the Dallas Cowboys. So he's leaving the Dallas Cowboys, quote unquote, America's team, the playoff team, uh, beat the Buccaneers in the playoffs. One of the supposedly best teams in the NFC East. Not for a promotion, arguably for more money. I don't know the contract details. I would be willing to bet that there's probably more money involved. But it basically means that whether it's for the money or whether it's for the position, he wanted to come to Tampa. And again, this is a running backs coach who James you know, did a very good job talking about. No fumbles from the running back position with the, for the Dallas Cowboys in 2022. Tony Pollard is a potential free agent. I don't know that Dallas lets him kind of get out of the building. But I think when you look at, again, so you look at Skip Pete, you look at Dave Canales, you talk about smart football, controlling the ball, you have a defensive-minded coach who is known and has shown that he kind of wants to milk the clock for as much as he can. I don't think these things are coincidences. I think that's the kind of brand of football you're probably going to see uh, coming up because conservative but effective. And I think Dave Canales, like, you can bring a little bit of energy to safe. Like, safe doesn't have to be boring. Safe can still be energetic, and, and maybe you'll see some shot plays uh, tendency breakers when you least expect it. And that's what kind of keeps things uh, going. But I think Bulls, I think honestly, Bulls is being really aggressive right now in his coaching staff construction. So they don't have to be late in games. You look at it last year and, and we complained about those time and time and time again, talked about on this show, talked about in press conferences after games, talked about it in the press boxes. This team does didn't get aggressive until late in the games. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And, and when it did work against the Rams, against the Saints on Monday night, stuff like that, it was electrifying. It was incredible. It was amazing. But they did that because they had to, not because they wanted to. So I think that what you're looking here now is you have a coach in Dave Canales who knows how to be safe, knows how to be conservative, but do it with a little bit of flair, with a little bit of style, with a little bit of energy, so that hopefully you're still putting up points. You have a running back coach 
who obviously knows how to produce runners. He knows how to produce ball security. Knows how to teach it uh, at the at the at the NFL level. So hopefully you're going to get that too. And don't forget, I mean, you go back to that Green Bay Packers game. Ball security, granted, not really from the running backs in in, in general, but ball security was a huge issue and the reason they lost that game. So I think all of it kind of clues into a much more Todd Bowles style uh, of staff. So as of now, the Buccaneers have a new offensive coordinator, running back coach, receiver coach, outside linebacker coach, who knows in the time that I had to drive home, get ready for the show and hit record. Maybe there's another uh, coach on the way in. But the majority of coaching changes have come on the offensive side of the ball. And that is not a coincidence because that's the side of the ball that Todd Bowles didn't construct. He constructed his defense. So a few defensive changes here and there, not a huge deal. That's kind of just the natural uh, curve of things. But the wide, the widespread changes on the offensive side of the ball, I think it says something. It says that, look, that was not a Todd Bowles offensive staff. That was not a Todd Bowles offensive philosophy. And when you have two sides of the ball that don't talk to each other correctly, uh, it can lead to a lot of the problems, I think, that we saw in 2022. Um, and to me, this means the Todd Bowles should get a one-year reprieve. I, I know not a lot of you are going to like that. Not a lot of you are going to agree with it. But I think last year should almost be looked at as a wash because, again, you're giving a chef, right, a whole bunch of ingredients that, like, you're giving a chef that's classically trained in Italian food. You're giving them half a, a half a pantry of Italian food, half a pantry of French food, and you're telling them to put it together. And I understand French-Italian fusion can happen and people can make it work, but uh, French-Italian fusion cooking also doesn't have, like, I don't know, Spanish cooking over here fighting against it. It's, it's I've kind of taken this analogy off the rails. Hopefully you understand uh, what I mean. And for anybody out there saying, well, you know, Todd Bowles had a choice to take the head coaching job or not take it after Bruce Harris retired. I mean, I don't know, guys. I don't know what you expect uh, Todd to do. Again, he was as surprised as anybody else, but you can't ask Todd Bowles to just say, no, I don't want to do this because I don't get to pick my staff. Instead, you go in there, you do the best you can, you try to get on the same page. And look, honestly, and I'm not saying that he was, but I'm almost wondering, look, Byron left, which wasn't really considered for that head coaching job after Bruce Arians retired. Is that where some of these reports of Byron not wanting to listen, right? Some of the reports are Byron didn't want to be flexible. He didn't want to listen to people, didn't want to take input. Is that maybe where some of it came from? Bruce retired. You didn't look at me seriously as a head coaching candidate. Why should I uh, flex who I am for you? You're the genius who got the job, right? Go do it. And, and before you say these are NFL coaches, they wouldn't be like that. These are human beings. Uh, if Brad Child Childress cannot get an NFL head coaching job because an owner doesn't like his mustache, trust me, Byron left, which could, I'm not saying he did, could get butt hurt over not being seriously considered to replace Bruce Arians when Todd Bowles did. So uh, that's my thoughts on Todd Bowles taking over control of coaching staff and what that should mean for his future. We'll see what the Buccaneers uh, decide to do. Successful 2023 season, and it doesn't even matter. If they struggle, we'll see uh, the course of action the Glazers ultimately decide to take with Todd Bowles and his staff. Jason Light, meanwhile, has had worse draft classes, but his 2022 NFL draft class was pretty bad. And regardless of what happens with Todd Bowles, his 2023 effort needs to be better. That's coming up next here on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. Now, some might say that Jason White didn't have a first round pick, so that should give him a little bit of a pass for not having a so stellar uh, of a draft class. No day one picks usually means no blue chip talents. But for me, uh, that's that's more of an indictment because Jason Light gave away uh, his first round pick. and. I say gave away, he sold it. He didn't give it away. He got stuff back for it. Sure, you know, he, he sold it, I'll say. But bottom line is you had a first-round pick. You got rid of your own first-round pick, whether it was for good value or not. You made that decision. So to me, right off the cuff of this conversation, not having a first-round pick, not an excuse to not have uh, a solid draft class. NFL.com recently did 
and release their rankings of the 2022 rookie classes following the 2022 NFL season. Tampa Bay Buccaneers ranked 21st overall, so well into the bottom half of the National Football League. Uh, writing quotes, Logan Hall did not live up to his expectations as the first pick of round two, struggling mightily against the run in particular. He was a bit better as a rotational passer, recording two and a half sacks and 12 tackles, five of those for loss. With more playing time, he could improve, but the number 33 overall pick did not stand out in his first pro campaign, end quote. So again, second round pick, first pick of the second round, no first round picks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they traded back uh, to get more picks and then uh, be you know be on the clock to start day two, taking Logan Hall. Uh, overall, again, the Buccaneers class got ranked 21st in the National Football League, came in second to last among all NFC South division teams. The only team in the NFC South that finished with a worst ranked rookie class than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Carolina Panthers, which you could say is arguably much, much worse considering they had the sixth overall pick, uh, took offensive tackle, Ike McQuanu. Um, also, uh, again, just, just a bad draft class. And you can kind of tell why the Carolina Panthers are in the situation. So having the sixth, sixth overall pick uh, and coming in worse within draft classes is, is probably uh, a lot harder to swallow. The Atlanta Falcons had the number eight overall pick. They took wide receiver Drake London out of USC, and they end up atop the NFC South rankings at number nine overall. Of course, the entire Buccaneers draft class is not bad. That's why this is not Jason Light's worst draft class. We don't need to talk about his worst one. You all uh, probably already know what it is. Um, but uh, it didn't have a whole lot of stars on it, right? So uh, still, Rashad White, one of the standout players, quote, NFL.com wrote, quote, it took the Buccaneers half a season before realizing Rashad White was their best option at running back. White was a viable weapon in the run and pass game, finishing with 771 yards from scrimmage and three total touchdowns. He's the bright spot in this class. End quote. I agree with that. I think, you know, Rashad White is, is probably the best rookie that we saw in 2022. I think there's still more to see out of him. I think hopefully uh, offense coordinator Dave Canales is going to tap into some of that. But tight end Kate Otten was also solid at points and, and certainly looked uh, like he's got some potential here for this team in the National Football League. He got some praise. Um, and, and you know, I think when you look at Kate Otten and having to be a part of that that group trying to replace Rob Gronkowski, it's a really that's a really tall task for anybody, but especially a rookie. Uh, punter Jake Camarda also got some praise here in this write-up from NFL.com. And, uh, yeah, when, you're, when your punter is being praised for being one of your, your better picks, I think that uh, kind of speaks to uh, your draft class. Look, the Buccaneers trade number 27. They got 33, 106, and 180 from the Jacksonville Jaguars. That turned into Logan Hall, KDOT, and Jake Camarda. So, look, two of the two of the solid picks uh, in this draft class come via the trade. So, you know, I'm not going to use revisionist history. I'm not going to go back and say, well, Lewisine could have done this or George Karloftis could have done this. At the time of the trade, I didn't like the trade just because guys like Seen, Dax Hill uh, were still on the board. Logan Hall was still on the board. I remember there were conversations of what if he gets drafted uh, before the Buccaneers come back around, right? But um, the bottom line is it didn't work out by the way that you wanted to. So that's why the ranking is where it is. I'm not backing up. You know what I mean? Like I said, um, I liked Logan Hall coming out. I think a lot of people liked Logan Hall coming out, but I did not like the trade just because of the talent that was left on the board. Uh, and it would be, you know, alternate universe type of stuff. But it would be interesting to find out what happened if you could go back. Seventh round pick, Andre, Andre Anthony is with Chicago uh, now. So he's not even with the team anymore. Those close to the Buccaneers, I think, probably appreciate Coquife a little bit more than NFL.com did here. Didn't give the Bucs a whole lot of credit for Coquife, but I think most people who kind of watch him, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see how Dave Canales works Coquife into his system, his scheme. Uh, but I think we certainly saw some potential and some ability 
and his uh, possibilities of impacting this team positively. Devin Tompkins was arguably the third or fourth best rookie in this year's class, and he was an undrafted free agent. In a year, the Buccaneers drafted eight guys. So when you have an undrafted free agent who's potentially top half of your draft class, uh, that's that's not typically good for your draft class. Good on Devin Tompkins. Kudos to him. You know what I mean? Certainly potentially has a bright future ahead of him, but not good for your draft class. And that's how we wrap up today's episode of Locked On Bucks. Thank you again for making the Locked On Bucks podcast. First listener, first view of the day. James and I will be back Friday after late afternoon, early evening-ish with a new live episode. Make sure you come through that. We've got a, a cool interview that you're going to want to make sure you catch up on. So uh, hopefully you come back to uh, to us again Friday before we uh, we wrap up for the weekend. Next week is Scouting Combine week, so we will have plenty of Scouting Combine content. Uh, James and I both credential for the Combine. Both of us will be in Indianapolis, so stay tuned for that. If you got reactions to anything that we said today, including my saying that Todd Bowles deserves uh, a buy on last year as far as his future outlook, is concerned, drop those into the inbox at locked on bucks podcast at gmail.com or hit the DMs locked on bucks at locked on bucks on Twitter. For James Yarko, I'm David Harris. Until we speak again, if you're out and about, please be, be safe, be kind to one another, fire the cannons, and thank you for joining me right here at locked on bucks.